It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. You are Locked On Packers, your daily Green Bay Packers podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. R-E-L-A-X. Relax. We're going to be okay. It is time. It is time. I feel like we can win the table. We're going to do it. You are Locked On Packers, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. I am Peter Bukowski, and I cover the Packers for SB Nation. I cover the NFL around the internet, and you can follow me on Twitter at Peter underscore Bukowski. You can follow the podcast on Twitter at Locked On Packers. You can like us on Facebook. You can subscribe to the podcast on iTunes, on Spotify, on Google Play. Wherever you find podcasts, you'll find Locked on Packers, the number one Packers podcast in the state of Wisconsin, and the show for fans who know what happened, they want to know why and how. You can also find us on the all-new Himalaya podcast app, and anywhere fine podcasts are sold and or given away for free, because that's what we do. We give this show away for free. You have to sit through some ads, but that's it, and we appreciate you doing that. We appreciate you engaging with the brands that sponsor Locked on Packers. But that's not what we're here to talk about today. Brandon Thorne, noted offensive line expert, is here to talk about Elton Jenkins because this is a pick that I think a lot of Packer fans, it's not that they scratched their head at it, but it was the kind of thing that offensive line play is not something that is widely discussed in the media. It's not something that's widely discussed on Twitter, and I think it often gets short shrift from the draft so-called experts on TV. And so in these discussions, unless someone is, you know, Quentin Nelson and they are just, you know, they've got gifts that are incredible and they're destroying people, they just aren't going to get talked about. And this wasn't a draft that had, you know, offensive tackles that were going to go top two, top three, top four, top five. So We didn't really get any kind of offensive line discussion in this draft outside of, you know, hey, is Jonah Williams a guard or a tackle? You know, where should Andre Dillard go? What's the deal with Juwan Taylor? Where should Dalton Reisner go? I mean, and and those were those were certainly, I think, team centric questions. Those were not dominating questions when it comes to the draft because offensive line is just not something that that really gets talked about a lot. So Brandon is one of the smartest guys writing about uh, really the NFL as a whole, but I think as an offensive line guru is as good as it gets on Twitter. His knowledge certainly surpasses my own, which is why he's on the show to talk about Elton Jenkins. And I think you're you're going to really enjoy the conversation that we have uh, there's there's interesting nuggets in there, but in talking to him off air, you know, Brandon thinks that that Elton Jenkins is one of the two best guards on this team right now today, and that's an interesting answer. Uh, he 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 hints at it in our discussion, which we'll get to in just a second. But you know, he told me that off air, and I not that I was taken aback by it. I'm not sure he's wrong. I mean, I think he's probably right. Uh, but I just I thought that was a little startling to hear and just say no I think you know he's he should he should be a starter he should win that starting spot so you know that's that's just something to keep in mind before we get to that discussion though I want to talk about Kenny Clark because he got a, a his fifth year option picked up 
That was not the surprise. Uh, there is no surprise here. Uh, they're going to extend Kenny Clark sooner rather than later. The discussion I want to have is not really even about that move. It's about the defensive line because that is a position that I think has not been discussed enough. With the loss of Muhammad Wilkerson, we've all just assumed that Dean Lowry is going to be the starter. And I think that's fair to assume that he's going to start next to Mike Daniels and Kenny Clark. But then there was this article Tom Silverstein wrote about Mike Daniels and why it makes sense to trade him. He's not an ideal fit for the Mike Patton defense. I think that's probably true. You bring in Zadarius Smith, who can play inside. You bring in Rashawn Gary, who can play with his hand in the dirt. He can play five technique. He can play three technique. There are, you know, there are evaluators. There are front office people who thought that, you know, uh, Rashawn Gary needs to be a three tech or a five tech to succeed in the NFL. So, you know, that that is relevant here because Kenny Clark is the fixture. When you run a 3-4, the most important position on the defensive front is the nose tackle. You do not have a 3-4 defense if you don't have a nose tackle. Green Bay does. Do they have the bodies around him to make this defensive front work? Mike Daniels is a good player. What's interesting, though, is in that piece by Tom Silverstein, he mentioned that the leadership style of Daniels, this bombastic uh, talk a lot leader from him has either worn off or has not been effective in the locker room. That was a, a little bit of a nugget in the Tyler Dunn story. And for whatever you think about that story, and I know there are some of you that are unhappy, you have been in the iTunes comments about that. Uh, your prerogative, certainly. Uh, the rest of you, if you have not left a review on iTunes, go go cancel some of those out. I mean, come on. One show and you're going to be mad? Anyway, uh, not what we're here to talk about. It is it is the case, I think, that now this this is multiple reports that you know maybe his leadership in the locker room is a little bit overrated, and he struggled with health last year. Has not been the impact player that we have seen. He's on the wrong side of thirty moving forward, and so. Is it is it something worth exploring? He's not under contract after 2019. Is he someone that the Packers just simply allow to walk outright? You know, I've gotten a lot of questions about Muhammad Wilkerson and what's the status with him. Well, they gave out his number. 96 is gone now. So he is he going to be back? Uh, I don't know. He's, he probably wouldn't be cleared until August or September if Green Bay needs defensive line help. I think they'll look into it. But they want to wait and see, and, and I think rightfully so. Kingsley Kiki is going to compete for minutes. He's going to compete for snaps right away. And they have Montrevious Adams. Uh, they're, they're moving forward with Fadal Brown. So this is, this is the group that they have, and, and Kenny Clark is going to have to stay healthy. Because they don't have another impact player on this team like he is. They just don't. Mike Daniels is not that guy anymore. And, you know, I hope for his sake that he can be a productive player this year and he can stay healthy. But, you know, is he ever going to be, you know, a top flight player? No. He, he was for a long time an underrated player. But was never in that, like, Gerald McCoy, 
at his prime or Aaron Donald or Indomitian Sue at his peak. He was never in the Geno Atkins. He was never in those conversations and, and didn't deserve to be in those conversations. And that's not a knock on him. He was still a very good player. He was still a very impactful player in ways that the stat sheet didn't always reflect. But that's not the same as saying he is a cornerstone player. I'm not convinced that he is. Again, that's not a knock. He's been a really good player and a really important player on this team for a long time. The same was true of Clay Matthews. And injuries robbed him of his athleticism. He could not stay on the field, and eventually he became replaceable. Do I think Mike Daniels is replaceable? I don't, not easily. He's not. He's not. Kingsley Kiki is not going to come in and give you the same sort of impact that Mike Daniels is. But long term, you know, if you look two, three, four years down the line, I don't think Mike Daniels is the future of this defensive front. Beyond Kenny Clark, who is? Does that include Dean Lowry? Is he someone that you is a preferred high-level starter for you? I don't know. We haven't seen that yet. He's been solid. He's been good enough. But you'd like when you if you have three starters, you'd like to have more than that. You'd like to have more than adequate. Again, not a knock on those guys. They could certainly be worse. And, you know, not everyone has to be a superstar for to make a team work. That's just not reality. But Green Bay needs to have a plan here. Now, I think part of the plan is Zadarius Smith is going to play inside. Rashawn Gary is going to play inside. Preston Smith has the opportunity. He could play a little bit inside. And remember, inside does not mean nose tackle. It does not mean three technique, defensive tackle, Mike Daniels stuff. It could mean five technique. It could mean a gap blitzer. It could mean a lot of different kinds of things. But where are the cornerstone pieces around Kenny Clark? Now, it is true that you don't necessarily need superstars next to him. You need a nose tackle, and then you need guys to do their job. If Kingsley Kiki and Dean Lowry can do that, hey, you got a good defensive front if those outside linebackers are doing their job, if you feel good about Blake Martinez moving forward, and most importantly, if the secondary is covering. The secondary is better. You know, the defensive front is is fine. Now, there is also an interesting team-building aspect to this, and that is Green Bay went out, and Brian Gutekind said explicitly, we tried to get bigger. We wanted to get bigger and stronger. So you go out and you get big outside linebackers, Rashawn Gary, Zadarius Smith, Preston Smith. They got bigger. This is the shape that he wants to take on this defense. There's going to be plenty of times where he just has Kenny Clark and another defensive lineman. There's going to be times when he has Kenny Clark and Rashawn Gary with their hand in the dirt and Preston Smith and Zadarius Smith on the outside. There's going to be times when he has Rashawn Gary and Zadarius Smith in the middle Preston Smith and Kyler Fackrell on the edges, four-man front, and just go hunt. Just go hunt the quarterback. That's in play. That's going to happen. So, you know, I don't worry about this defensive line. I'm just saying, what are the, what is the plan here? What is the solution? Does Mike Daniels get an extension? I'm, I'm not convinced. Does he deserve one? Again, I'm not convinced, and it would certainly not be in keeping with the way that Green Bay tends to handle these kinds of contracts with players of his age, and of his now injury history, I'd be surprised. 
but they don't have an obvious plan unless they think Dean Lowry and Kingsley Kiki in combination with these outside linebackers present a good enough set of options for them. Uh, you know, I, I think there's a good case that that's true because you got the cornerstone piece. You got that nose tackle foundational piece. You know, that matters. This is, I'm, I'm just realizing as I'm talking that this is a very trenches heavy show today. Uh, but, you know, that's fine. The, the game is still won and lost in the trenches. You can play spread all day long. You can be Cliff Kingsbury. You can run air raid. And if you can't win in the trenches, you can't win. I mean, that's just that's just life. I mean, look at all of the, the assets that the Rams put toward their defensive front and all of the time and energy that the Patriots put into developing offensive linemen and getting just the right defensive line players, even if they don't rush the passer the way other teams do. You still have to win in the trenches to win in the NFL, and I, you know I'm just I'm just trying to to figure out here to interrogate this question about Green Bay's plan on the defensive front moving forward. And the reality is these staffing questions are never easy. Hiring is challenging, but there's one place you can go where hiring is simple, fast, and smart—a place where growing businesses connect to qualified candidates. You know what I'm talking about? That place is ZipRecruiter. ZipRecruiter sends your job to over 100 of the web's leading job boards, but they don't stop there. With their powerful matching technology, ZipRecruiter scans thousands of resumes to find people with the right experience and invite them to apply to your job. As applications come in, ZipRecruiter analyzes each one and spotlights the top candidates so you never miss a great match. ZipRecruiter is so effective that 80% of employers who post on ZipRecruiter get a quality candidate through the site within the first day. And right now, my listeners can try ZipRecruiter for free at this exclusive web address, ZipRecruiter.com slash locked on. That's ZipRecruiter.com slash locked on. ZipRecruiter, the smartest way to hire. The reopening is right around the corner, and there's a chance that no one has seen your balls in months. Don't ruin your first post-quarantine date with a ball fro. Would you show up on the first day of school without a haircut? Manscaped is here to provide you the best tools for your grooming experience. Do you really want the next person to see your down there hair to think you weren't expecting anyone to see it? No one wants that. The Lawnmower 3.0 is the best hygiene tool for the modern man. Because of their ceramic blade and skin safe technology, your snags will be reduced while preparing yourself for post quarantine life. The Perfect Package 3.0 comes with the new and improved Lawnmower 3.0, water resistant, cordless body trimmer, performance boxer briefs, and a travel bag for you to use when you're done quarantining. The Perfect Package 3.0 also comes with the Crop Preserver and Crop Reviver, the perfect one to punch to keep your one to punch fresh all day long. Subscribers to the Peak Hygiene Plan get a new replacement blade refill for your lawnmower trimmer delivered to your door every three months, making sure your trimmer stays fresh and clean so you can too. There is a light at the end of the tunnel, so treat yourself for making it through quarantine with the Lawnmower 3.0. Get 20% off plus free shipping with the code locked on at manscaped.com. That's 20% off with free shipping at manscaped.com when you use the promo code locked on. All right, let's bring on Brandon Thorne. He is a Broncos film analyst at the Athletic Denver. He also 
works for the Scouting Academy. He hosts the Trench Warfare podcast and also contributes at USA Football. You can follow him on Twitter at Brandon Thorne NFL. Brandon, thanks for coming on Locked on Packers. Yeah, absolutely, Peter. I'm, I'm honored to be here and uh, excited to talk Packers football. As am I. Uh, and one of the reasons is the Packers made a really interesting move with Elton Jenkins in the second round. Interesting, not the least of which, because they actually took an interior offensive lineman to play the interior offensive line, which is not a thing they normally do. As you yeah. as you watched Jenkins, who was not a player that was getting a ton of buzz, but I, you know, I think uh, deserved much more than he got. What were your initial impressions of watching him? Yeah, so I just think when you start watching him, I always look at a player physically, and he really stood out in that regard just from his size, his frame, his build, all really impressive, well-rounded. He has really good length on film, and that was confirmed by his 34-inch measurement at the Combine. So just his physical dimensions are really impressive, and I think that kind of separated him from the other top guards in this class. So um, off the bat, I think physically he's really impressive. And then he matches that as well with his play strength on the field. I think he's very strong at the point of attack in the running game with his anchor and pass protection. And he really fits in well into a heavy inside zone gap type of scheme which is a little bit different than a guy like Eric Bradbury, Eric McCoy. So definitely a kind of a unique guy in this center class in terms of that top tier, but uh, somebody who, who has really impressive film against a lot of really good competition. When it comes to traits for offensive linemen, because I know that is, that is sort of your raison d'etre with the offensive line. What are you, <laughs> what are you generally looking for out of a player? Like, you know, your top sort of three or four traits and how does Jenkins stack up in those areas? Yeah. So overall kind of the overarching um, group of traits for me for offensive linemen is I think you have to start with a guy's mental processing and his ability to recognize things that the defense is doing quickly so he can react accordingly. And that kind of bleeds into what I call play speed, which is the speed to execute your assignment. So um, with that also comes athletic ability. So I always say play speed is a function of mental processing and athletic ability. If you're athletic and you could see things quickly, you could play really fast. But with offensive linemen, I think you could see a lot of times a guy who, who can just have solid, to, you know, average to above average athletic ability, but he's very quick in terms of his awareness, instincts, mental processing, whatever you want to call it. And then he could play really fast. So a guy doesn't really have to have that really like impressive athletic ability to play fast. And with Jenkins, I think that he shows that. I think I would probably call him a, an average athlete on the field, maybe a little bit above average in some regard. But I think he, he sees things that the defense is doing very quickly. He's very assignment sound, fundamentally sound, and that allows him to play really fast, I think. So his play speed is, is impressive. But aside from processing and play speed, I think you have to go to play strength. And that's kind of a f foundational piece of any offensive lineman. You have to have a certain level of play strength to play in the NFL. And that's something that Jenkins really stands out in as well. So he definitely the, the best play strength of the center class, I think. And, uh, of course, um, you know, th those are kind of the critical factor traits that I look at, at least three of the five, really, that I look at. Um, and just to kind of go on a little bit about Jenkins, his mm -hmm. experience at various positions is, is really beneficial as well. And I know Green Bay like that 
a lot. Um, so I kind of like him at guard uh, initially, but yeah, I mean, he, he's played tackle card and center. So that on top of SEC competition, there's, there's a whole lot to like about his overall profile profile, I think. So with this this Matt LaFleur scheme that they're going to be running in Green Bay, it's going to be predicated a lot more on outside zone. So how yeah. much, you know, how much do you think there's going to be a learning curve with him and and is it something you think he can adapt to and execute in? Yeah, I mean, it, it's an interesting fit in that regard in my opinion. I think Mississippi State ran a little bit of that from what I saw, but mm-hmm. primarily I saw a lot of power and inside zone duo things like that. So it's going to be a little bit of adjustment for him. I didn't watch him in 2017 or 2016, so I can't speak to maybe you know what they did then. Maybe he ran a little bit more of that then. But just based on 2018 tape, I didn't see a whole lot of it. But you know, I think that he could be adequate at it at first and grow into a good player in that regard. I One thing that I really like about him as well is his, his initial hand placement in the running game specifically is very good. So I think that that will really help him uh, adjust to moving laterally because a huge part of the outside zone scheme obviously is lateral quickness mm-hmm. and just getting on top of a guy so you can reach or hook them inside um, especially if you have an outside shade but there's a lot of combo blocking in outside zone and he's very very good at all combo blocks that I saw so you know it's going to be an interesting fit though because I, I think he's clearly a better fit in more of gap type principles it'll be interesting to see if Matt LaFleur kind of incorporates a little bit more of that or just becomes a little bit more balanced in some regard I I don't know if he's going to adjust for one player I I doubt it but um, I would like to see some of that at least incorporated to ease the transition for him but but yeah it's it's going to be a an interesting match I think for sure the thing that stood out to me when I when I watched him you know pretty consistently was he just doesn't get beat in pass protection and oh, yeah. that that is something that if you're drafting an interior offensive lineman to play with Aaron Rodgers, you need. What what about him do you think makes him so good there? So, yeah, this is in both facets, the run in the pass game. But I think you could see it a lot in the pass game as well as he plays with a strong base consistently. His feet are always underneath him. Um, his center of gravity is always um, balanced. He never really lunges or leans. I think part of that comes from the mobility that he shows in his lower half. He's, he's easy bender, I guess is a kind of a, an easy way to understand that when I say hip mobility, but, but yeah, his hips and ankles, um, are very uh, mobile. So he's able to really drop his pads easily and not bend forward, you know, at the waist. So things like that, I think lend themselves to him, being uh, very very strong in, in his uh, in his base, so that I mean that bleeds into every aspect of his game. He's consistently balanced. His weight distribution is very good. He never really gets out of control. His anchor is really really impressive. Um, I saw that consistently, especially against some of these nose tackles he's facing in SEC at LSU and Auburn. I mean, they have some monsters in the middle. And he does an outstanding job of all the things that I've mentioned previously, his hand placement, and then that, that, that base that he plays with. He's able to really um, have a lot of stopping power in, in his game, and he does a really nice job of sustaining blocks. So, yeah, and again, the mental processing piece, he sees things very quickly in terms of you know stunts, blitzes. He works off multiple threats. 
in the past game and all those things are very encouraging. I think he's a very well-rounded player for sure. Yeah, it's interesting for the Packers because some of their big offensive line hits, you know, you think of Josh Sitton, TJ Lang, David Bakhtiari, they were not playing at Blue Blood schools, not playing Blue Blood competition. Mm-hmm. Elton Jenkins was playing against some hosses in the yeah. SEC. Uh, in the handful of game I, games I watched, I think I watched five or six games, the only guy I saw him get beat by for a pressure was Quinn and Williams, who was a top five pick in this draft. So it's not like he was really impressive against, you know, some of these group of five schools or one double A. Like we're talking about the best defensive lineman in the country, and yep. he just is a wall in pass protection. Yeah, absolutely. I think I, it seems like uh, Matt Gutenkiss and, and the GM and you know just uh, the front office are, are really valuing that. And just in general, I'm seeing that more and more with high draft picks in the NFL. Obviously, you want to see them against better competition. That makes you more comfortable in your projection and a lot of SEC. And then there's a couple of teams outside the SEC who have consistently really good offensive linemen, Notre Dame, Wisconsin, Iowa. You know, teams that teach the fundamentals of offensive line play, they all play with good technique. So if you have players that are coming from programs that are getting very high-level coaching that's rooted in the fundamentals and, and refined technique, and then you pair that with, against really good competition like some of the SEC teams, I mean, that those guys you feel more comfortable with. And then you want a guy to have about 30 or more starts as well which I think Jenkins is right about there, and he has it at four positions. So when you start putting together his full profile and not just look at on-the-field stuff, it's very impressive, and it just makes you that much more comfortable in your projection to the next level. And uh, I think that was a huge part of his draw for sure. So one thing that that really stuck out to me uh, in the post-draft press conference for the Packers after they made this selection was they said, we think Elton Jenkins can play all five positions, and my first thought was that would be unusual, except Braden Smith last year did that, made the transition from center to offensive tackle, and was immediately really good. If if the Packers, let's say, needed him to play tackle in a pinch, is that something you think with his feet, with his with his strength, is something that he can do? Yeah, Braden Smith actually went right guard to right tackle, but... Um, but yeah, center to right tackles is pretty rare. I can't really think of a guy to do that. Um, but I do think that he could, could do it in a pinch. Absolutely. Um, I like him a lot more than Billy Turner, you know, somebody you guys just signed. Um, I think Turner last year, I highlighted on Twitter, actually, he had a stretch there where I think probably the best few games of his career. Cause prior to that in Miami and things like that, I just, Never was really impressed with him. Um, so I think he made himself a lot of money in uh, c- considering his career in those few games last year. But but anyway, yeah, I, I do think uh, he could play right tackle in a pinch. Um, uh, another guy, Duke Mannyweather, who I respect a lot, of eva- uh, offensive line evaluator, actually has heard from teams that they liked him most at right tackle. So that was really interesting. Um, wow. So, yeah, I definitely think he could do that. I like him. Um, in Green Bay, I would love to see him get a shot at a, at a guard spot. Mm-hmm. I think that would probably be his best fit. Um, it's an interesting mix of players that the Packers have assembled this offseason, I think, especially considering Matt LaFleur's reputation as an outside zone scheme guy. Lindsley is 
you know, Lindsley and Bakhtiari and uh, Brian Bulaga all fit that, in my opinion. But inside, it's it's interesting because Billy Turner, I think he's a better fit in gap scheme, Jenkins gap scheme. So it's, but I, I kind of like it too. I like the mix that they have. They they have guys. They don't all have kind of the same prototype of offensive line up front. So I think it's going to be interesting to see how this plays out, especially on the interior. So when we when we project this forward, if you were gonna if you were gonna put him, you know, in an ideal position, is it left guard? Is it right guard? Do you think it matters? Yeah, I probably. I think ideally, you know, going into the season, just based on right now where you're at, I would love to see him at right guard with Taylor at left and Lindsley at center, and then of course the tackles in place and Turner as that sixth guy. I think that would probably be a a really good looking group going into the season and probably be the, the best five that you could put on the field. Well, I, you know, I know that the, the, a lot of Packer fans and a lot of NFL fans don't get excited about offensive line play. I do. And I'm glad that you do too. That's why I have you here. And, and hopefully uh, the listeners are a little bit more excited about El- Elton Jenkins after all of that. Where can they find more of the, the excellent work that you do? Yeah, so you can find me on Twitter at Brandon Thorne NFL. And then also with The Athletic, I cover the Denver Broncos. I do film analysis there, uh, USA Football, and the Scouting Academy. Awesome, Brandon. I appreciate it. And we'll have to, uh, we'll have, to have you back. Yeah, anytime. I would love to. Thanks for having me. Matt Williamson brings the Scouts' perspective to the Locked On NFL podcast. You got to talk. 2018 quarterbacks. Josh Allen has the best quarterback record aside from Lamar Jackson, but the lowest completion percentage other than Josh Rosen. He's just been a complete garbage for the most part when he's been allowed to play. Yeah. I just want to throw a couple nuggets out on Allen, and I know he's a lot bigger, a lot stronger, but he kind of reminds me of early career RG3. What's kind of remarkable about Allen is he is so gifted. And he got better, I thought, this past year, which is encouraging with the anticipatory throws and the touch of his throws. But his deep ball passing is like the worst in the league. Hear Matt with co-host Brian Peacock every day on Locked On NFL. Subscribe or follow today wherever you get your podcasts. I want to thank Brandon again for joining Locked On Packers and, you know, really fascinating uh, you know, he told me that that he'd heard that that multiple teams believe that that Elton Jenkins was a potential tackle and that that's where they thought his best spot was in the NFL. They thought, you know, others thought he was a guard. Clearly, he can play any position on the field. And, you know, I, that's fascinating to me. So I'm glad Brandon was able to come in and, and share his expertise. I hope you were able to get something out of that. I know I did. Uh, offensive line is is not my forte necessarily so I'm always interested in learning from those guys and hearing from them you know the traits that that they think make a successful offensive lineman it's something that I'm actually going to study you know after that discussion to hear him talk about the importance of experience in these these top level college football players you know made me think that you know something that the NFL is struggling with right now is developing these players and that perhaps there is an inefficiency in the league because of the lack of teaching that can go on, that used to be able to go on in terms of development, that maybe there is certain sets of traits that could make players more conducive 
to success right away. We'll see. I'm, I'm, I'm just going to look into it. This is the time of year when I get to look into stuff like that. I get to do some projects. I get to do some research and dig into all of that. We're going to be back next week. Four shows next week. I'm going to bring you some of those interviews that I did in Dominican Sue, Darius Slay. I'm working on getting more of these rookie shows uh, set up people who covered them, people who, who break down these players, experts in their field. So I'm going to bring those to you next week as well. Remember, you can always follow the work that, that I'm doing at Acme Packing Company, Pro Football Weekly. The easiest way to see all of that is to follow me on Twitter at Peter underscore Bukowski. You can also follow me on Facebook. I haven't mentioned that in a while, but I have a professional Facebook. You can go follow that. I post there. Uh, you can like the podcast on Facebook. You can follow the podcast on Twitter at Locked on Packers. I made it easy that way. You can also subscribe to the podcast. Do so. Leave a rating. I mentioned, you know, you know, help me out. Some people got mad about the tie down thing. I understand Packer fans were mad, but come on, that doesn't that doesn't negate hundreds and hundreds of episodes of what I hope is content that you enjoy. So go leave a rating. Let's let's boost that that iTunes rating a little bit. I would I would very much appreciate that. And anytime you want to hit us up on the Locked On Packers fan hotline, you can do that. 920-341-3775 to stay Locked On Packers. Thanks for listening to the Locked On Podcast Network, but why stop now? Check out the daily Locked On Podcast Network for your favorite MLB team. Find it right now in your favorite podcast app and be sure to subscribe or follow so you never miss an episode. The Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day.